Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we're continuing on in our sermon series called Imprint, where we're remembering life lessons that were first imprinted on us when we were kids. And you know what? From the time that we're young, we all learn that people don't always get along with each other. But in our world today, it seems like we're more divided than we've ever been before. So as followers of Jesus, we need to shine Jesus's light when people disagree. But how do we do that? Well, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about in this episode sermon. So let's get right to it. So last Sunday in Melbourne Heights, we started into a new series of sermons called Imprint, where we're talking about life lessons that were first imprinted on us when we were kids. And there were a lot of valuable life lessons that we learned when we were younger. By the time that we were learning how to tie our shoes, most of us had also learned how to share and how to clean up after our own mess and things like that. But throughout the series of sermons, we're not just focusing in on life lessons that our parents tried to teach us or things that we learned when we were in school. What we're really focused on are life lessons that we learned when we were kids growing up inside of church. And it doesn't really matter if you learned these lessons when you were in Sunday school or at vacation Bible school. It doesn't matter if you learned these lessons when you were away at a church camp or when you were sitting in the sanctuary in the church that you grew up in. There are life lessons that we learned as kids that we should never outgrow. It's true. There are life lessons that we learned when we, we were kids that we should never outgrow. And last Sunday, we spent our time together talking about one of the most important life lessons that we learned in church when we were kids. And this was a life lesson that Jesus himself teaches us in the most well-known sermon he ever preached, a sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount. We find the sermon in the book of Matthew, and in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus teaches us that You are the light of the world. And then he goes on to tell us, let your light shine before people. So one of the most important lessons that we learned in life is a lesson that we learned when we were kids. And this is a lesson that we should never outgrow no matter how old we may get. This is a lesson that Jesus himself teaches us about what it means for us to follow him. This lesson is that when life feels dark, we need to shine Jesus' light. Whenever life starts to feel dark, we need to shine Jesus' light. So today, I want us to start digging deeper and to start talking about how we can shine Jesus' light when life feels dark. But before we can get into that conversation, we actually need to take a minute and talk about what the word shine means. And we need to take a minute to talk about what the word shine means because the way that you define the word shine is going to shape the way that you try to shine Jesus' light when life feels dark. So let's take a minute. Let's talk about what the word shine means. So if you were to look up the word shine in the dictionary, you would find that the first and the primary definition for the word shine is that it is to cast off or to give off some sort of light. So this is what we mean when we say that a light bulb shines. What we're saying is that light bulb casts off. It it gives forth light covering an area, usually a fairly decent area of space. But that definition is only one definition for the word shine. The word shine can also mean to direct light on or towards something. So this is what we mean when we talk about something like a spotlight shining. A spotlight gives forth light. It directs light toward an actor who is standing on stage to draw the attention of everyone who is sitting in the audience so that they focus on that actor. 
So which definition of shine did Jesus have in mind when he told you to let your light shine before people? Jesus wants you to just kind of cast off a light around you as you go about your daily life, illuminating the world around you as you go about the things that you do. Or does Jesus want you to direct your light into the darkest areas that you find in the world so that you can illuminate them? Well, I actually think Jesus wants us to do both. I think that Jesus wants us to kind of be this permanent light that people can see as we go about our daily lives, and then when they look at us, they should see the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love of, of Christ shining through our lives. But I don't think that Jesus just wants us to be a passive light walking through the world. I think Jesus wants us to also focus our light, to direct our light in the darkest areas that we find in the world so that we can illuminate them. So that's really what I want us to spend our time together today talking about. I want us to talk about how we can direct our light into the darkest areas that we find in our world so that we can illuminate those areas. Now, obviously and sadly, there are a lot of areas of darkness in our world that we could talk about today. Like, we could spend our time together today talking about what we could do to shine our light into the darkness that we see through terrorism and human trafficking. We could spend our time together today talking about what we could do to shine our light into the darkness that we find through childhood poverty and through climate change. We could spend our time together today talking about what we can do to shine our light onto the darkness that we find through things like gun violence and drug addiction. But I actually want us to spend our time together today talking about an area of darkness that hits closer to home for every single one of us. This is actually an area of darkness that I heard um, Robert Gates, who is the former Secretary of Defense under both President George W. Bush, a Republican, and Barack Obama, a Democrat, in an interview that he gave maybe about two months ago. And in this interview, he was meeting with uh, Face the Nation. And during this conversation, they asked former Secretary of Defense Robert Gates what he thought the greatest threat facing the United States is today. Now, remember, this is a question that is being asked to a former Secretary of Defense. So this is somebody who knows about the darkness in the world around us all too well. This is somebody who knows about the violence and the warfare that is happening all around the world. This is somebody who knows about the potential dangers that we face uh, in threats of terrorism at home and abroad. This is somebody who knows about the possible catastrophes that could happen in the event of nuclear or chemical or biological warfare. So this is somebody who knows about darkness in our world. But when he was asked what the greatest threat to the United States is right now, he didn't talk about any of those things. Instead, this is what Secretary Gates said. He said, I think it's the polarization in the country. And you know, we've always had polarization in America. If you go back to Jefferson and Adams' presidential race in 1800, the things that were said in that election would fit right into the current political environment. But what's been different more recently is not, is not just a measure of paralysis, but a level of meanness and a lack of civility among our politicians. Or the sense that somebody who you disagree with is not just somebody you disagree with, but they're also your enemy, that they're a bad person. This lack of civility is, I think, something new and really is pretty pervasive in Congress. And it sets a pretty bad example for the rest of the country. 
So when Secretary Gates was asked what the greatest threat is to the United States right now, he said it's the lack of civility. But what is civility? Well, again, if you were to look the word up in the dictionary, you'd find that civility means being polite or being courteous. And Secretary Gates hints at his kind of own definition of this word when he talks about uh, civility being something where we disagree with someone, we don't have to think that they're our enemy. But when I think about civility, I personally prefer the definition that all of us would have used for that word when we were kids growing up. Because when we were kids, we would have realized that the word civility is really just a fancy way of saying that we need to be able to get along with other people. But it's pretty clear that we live in a world where we struggle to get along with others. It is. It's pretty clear that we live in a world where we struggle to get along with other people. And this is a lesson that all of us learn by the time that we finish up elementary school. Because there's not one of us sitting in this room today who didn't have an experience at some point when you were in elementary school and you walked out onto a school playground and you saw one kid push another to start a fight. There's not one of us that at some point in elementary school weren't walking down a hallway when we heard one of our classmates call another passing student a name that you shouldn't repeat in church. There's not one of us who at some point in elementary school didn't get assigned to do a group project with some of our classmates where the only thing that we accomplished during our time together was to argue and get upset because nobody wanted to listen to anyone else's ideas. So yeah, by the time we finish up elementary school, we've learned this world is a place where we struggle to get along with other people. And because this world is a place where we struggle to get along with other people, it's pretty clear that this is an area where we need to shine Jesus' light. When people don't get along, we need to shine Jesus' light. When people don't get along, we need to shine Jesus' light. But how? How do we do that? How do we shine Jesus' light when people don't get along with each other? Well, I think to answer that question, the best thing that we can do is see what Jesus did when he found himself in those kind of situations. So if you've got a Bible close by, let me encourage you to go ahead and grab it and turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, and as you're finding it, I'll just remind you that the book of Luke is basically a biography of Jesus. So as you're reading the book of Luke, you're going to be able to read stories about Jesus' birth and his baptism. You're going to be able to read stories about Jesus' ministry and the miracles that he performed. You're going to be able to read about Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. But in Luke 19, we're going to read what Jesus does when he finds himself in a situation where people aren't getting along. So let's take a look at Luke 19 together. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. Here's what Luke writes. Luke says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through town. A man there named Zacchaeus, a ruler among tax collectors, was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he couldn't because of the crowd. So in these verses that we just read, we meet a man named Zacchaeus. And we find out that Zacchaeus wants to be able to see Jesus more than he wants to do anything else in the world. He is desperate to see Jesus, but we're told that Zacchaeus is unable to do that because he's a short guy. Now, 
In the past, when I've read the story, I have always assumed that this meant that Zacchaeus was simply unable to see Jesus because there was a big crowd of people surrounding Jesus, and Zacchaeus was way back at the back of it and unable to see over the heads of everyone in front of him. But I had a realization a couple of weeks ago while my family was on vacation that changed the way I thought about the story. While my family was on vacation, we went and we visited the Oregon Zoo as part of our trip. And while we were at the Oregon Zoo, some of the zookeepers there were putting on a training session with one of their Asian elephants. And this Asian elephant was absolutely having a great time during this training session, putting on a total show for everyone to watch. He was prancing around. He was striking poses. Eventually, the zookeepers had him get down into this giant pool where the elephant was splashing around and swimming. And with all of his antics, the elephant drew a huge crowd. Felt like everybody that was in the zoo at that moment stood around the enclosure watching this elephant's performance, including my family. But as we were standing there, trying to take in everything that was happening, I noticed something else that was going on. Now, even though there was a huge crowd of people packed in all around this elephant's enclosure, I saw some little kids in our midst. And these little kids, they started bobbing and weaving and ducking and squirming. And somehow, some way, they were able to make their way all the way through this crowd, even though it was sometimes four or five people deep, to get up to the very fence, the front of the fence around the enclosure, so they could get a perfect view of what the elephant was doing. And as I saw all of that happening, it made me think, couldn't Zacchaeus have done the exact same thing? I mean, if all of these kids were able to bob and weave and duck and squirm and make their way up to the fence, Zacchaeus was a little guy. He should have been able to do the exact same thing. I mean, the only reason that he shouldn't have been able to is if people were intentionally trying to keep him away from Jesus. So after having that thought, I came back and I did some research, and I actually found that there are quite a few biblical scholars who think that's exactly what's happening in the story. They think Zacchaeus was unable to see Jesus because the crowd around Jesus was trying to keep him away. But why would they do that? Why would this crowd of people want to keep Zacchaeus from seeing Jesus? Well, the answer to that question is actually really simple. The crowd wanted to keep Zacchaeus away from Jesus because Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And he wasn't just any old tax collector. He was a chief tax collector in the area where he lived. Now, I don't think we've ever lived in a world where people have loved tax collectors, right? I mean, nobody sitting here worshiping with us right now, whether you're in person or joining us online, is ever going to be excited to see a letter in your mailbox from the IRS, are you? No, it doesn't happen. But tax collectors were especially despised during Jesus' time. And that's particularly true for chief tax collectors. Because here's the way that the tax collection system in, in, in ancient Israel and the Roman Empire worked. If you were a tax collector working for Rome, you were an agent of the Roman Empire. But you were basically a subcontractor that they used to collect the appropriate amount of taxes in any given area. And the Roman Empire decided how much taxes should be collected in whatever area these chief tax collectors were assigned. But they expected the chief tax collectors to pay that amount of money, whatever it was it was going to be owed, ahead of time. And once the chief tax collectors paid that money ahead of time, the Roman government was hands-off. From that point forward, they didn't care because they already got their money. So the chief tax collectors were free to go back into their area and charge 
the citizens living in that area however much money they wanted to, so that they could not only make back the money they had paid the Roman government, the Roman Empire, but so that they could also turn a profit along the way. So tax collectors were basically government-sanctioned thieves during the time that Jesus walked this earth. So the people in that crowd hated Zacchaeus. They hated Zacchaeus because he was a thief who had been stealing from them their entire lives. And the truth is, Zacchaeus probably felt the same way about the people in that crowd. Because you can't exactly steal from people that you love. So in this story, we find groups of people who can't get along with each other. So let's see what Jesus does to shine his light in the situation. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 19 again. And I want to start reading this time in verse 4. Here's what Luke writes. He says, so he, that is Zacchaeus, ran ahead and he climbed up a sycamore tree so that he could see Jesus who was about to pass that way. When when Jesus came to that spot, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down at once. I must stay at your home today. So Zacchaeus came down at once, happy to welcome Jesus. In these three verses that we just read, Jesus shows us the most basic thing that we can do if we want to shine his light when other people don't get along. What Jesus shows us in these verses we just read is that if we want to shine Jesus' light when people don't get along, we have to treat people like they're people. If we want to shine Jesus' light when other people are struggling to get along, we have to treat people like they're people. And that sounds really simple. It sounds really obvious to it. But we don't do a good job of it. Too often when we are not getting along with somebody, when we disagree with someone, we don't see them as people. We see each other as labels instead. And it's really easy to not get along with someone that you only see as a label. It's really easy to not get along with somebody that you just want to label as being a Democrat or Republican. It's really easy to not get along with somebody that you just want to label as being pro-choice or pro-life. It's really easy to not get along with somebody that you can just simply label as being a Cats fan or a Cardinals fan. It's really easy to not get along with somebody that you can just label as being somebody who prefers Pepsi to Coke, because you're weird if you prefer Pepsi to Coke. It's really easy to not get along with somebody that you can just label as being a jerk or an idiot, or some other word that I shouldn't say inside of church. But when Jesus meets Zacchaeus, Jesus doesn't see him as a label. When Jesus meets Zacchaeus, he doesn't see Zacchaeus as a tax collector, or a thief, or an outcast. When Jesus meets Zacchaeus, he sees Zacchaeus. He sees a person. And if we want to shine Jesus' light into the darkness that is the lack of civility in our world around us, we have to be able to do the same thing that Jesus does. Even when we disagree, even when we don't always get along with another person, we have to be able to see that they are still a person. 
We actually even have a word for that in the English language, for seeing someone else as a person just like us. That word is empathy. So if we want to be able to shine Jesus's light into the problem, the darkness of this lack of civility in our world, we all need to learn how to be more empathetic. But how do we do that? How do we become more empathetic? We'll actually have three things that all of us can do that will help us become more empathetic as people. Now, the first thing that all of us can do to help us become more empathetic is to realize that our perspective isn't the only perspective on an issue or a situation. Our perspective isn't the only perspective on any issue or situation. Now, in the story that we just read with with Zacchaeus and this crowd of people, they were only looking at each other through one perspective. When that crowd looked at Zacchaeus, they saw somebody who was a tax collector, who was a cheat, who was a thief. And when Zacchaeus looked at the crowd, he didn't see people that he got along with very well. But that's not how they would have seen themselves. Even though that crowd would have looked at Zacchaeus and seen somebody who was a thief, who was a tax collector, who was a criminal, when Zacchaeus looked at himself, that's not how he, how he saw who he was. Zacchaeus may have thought of himself as being someone who was willing to do what it took to take care of his family, to take care of the people in his life that he loved, no matter the cost. So if we want to be able to start being more empathetic when we don't get along with people, we need to realize that our perspective isn't the only perspective on a situation. And when we're willing to do that, it'll start opening our eyes to the fact that there are other ways to see every situation, to see every event that's happening. The second thing that we can do if we want to become more empathetic is that we can learn to listen, to understand instead of listening to respond. If we want to be more empathetic, we need to learn how to listen to understand someone instead of listening to respond. And whether we realize this or not, we as people are horrible at this. This is not the way that we are programmed. We as people are programmed, when we are talking with someone else, to listen long enough to formulate the next thing that we want to say. It's how we work. So we very rarely listen to understand what someone else is saying. But if we're willing to take that step back and to not be thinking about the next thing that we want to say in the conversation and let a person finish their thought, it will open our eyes to the perspective that they have. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to change your mind on an issue that's up for debate or discussion. But when you can start to see things from another person's perspective and understand where they have formulated that perspective from, it allows you to see them as a person and not just somebody who's come up with some ridiculous conclusion on a matter. Now, the last thing that we can do if we want to become more empathetic is we have to practice being empathetic. I mean, you are never going to become a better listener if you don't practice listening. You're always going to be formulating that next thing that you want to say instead of listening to what the speaker is saying all the way through and trying to understand it if you don't practice You're never going to get any better at realizing that your perspective isn't the only perspective on an issue or a subject if you don't try to see things through another perspective. So if we want to become more empathetic, we have to practice being empathetic. And there's actually a great way to do this that I absolutely love, and I think I've talked about it before. But if you want to become more empathetic, a great way to start seeing things from other people's perspective and listening to what they're really saying is to sit down and read fictional books or to watch fictional TV shows or movies. And as you're listening to those stories, as you're watching them, as you're reading them, try to see the story from the different characters' perspectives inside of it. 
So yes, as your preacher right now, I'm telling you that you can go home this afternoon and have a Star Wars marathon, and you can watch the whole thing unfold and try to see the whole thing from the perspective of Luke Skywalker and the whole thing from the perspective of Darth Vader and some of the other characters inside of the saga. Or if you've got kids, a great way to help them start learning empathy is to sit down and read picture books with them. Like, one of my favorite are the Berenstain Bears. Because there's four different main characters in all of these books. And if you can read a story and see it from all of their perspectives, from the perspective of Mama Bear and Papa Bear and Brother Bear and Sister Bear, you're opening your child's eyes to a whole bunch of different perspectives on the stories. So when you can start doing that, when you can look through the eyes of fictional characters and start seeing their perspectives, it opens your eyes to the different perspectives in the world around you. Now, I want to be abundantly clear with you here. Just by practicing and becoming a more empathetic person, that's not going to automatically solve the problems of the lack of civility in our world today. It's not going to eliminate that darkness of hostility that we still see around us. But if you become more empathetic, if you learn how to get along with people that you disagree with, you are going to let the light of Jesus shine in the world around you. And when that light starts to shine, other people are going to see it. Other people are going to realize that that person is able to get along with someone, even though they completely disagree about team sports or politics, or religion, or whatever else it may be. And that's going to encourage them to think differently. To try to emulate what you're doing. And that's ultimately what's shining our light, directing our light into the darkest areas of our world is meant to do. We're not bright enough as lights to light up all of the darkness in this world. But if I take my little light and I let it shine and I pass my light on to the next person and they pass it on and they pass it on, we'll find that the world really does become a brighter place. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, you know that we live in a world where people struggle to get along with each other all the time. And God, you know that we are not immune from that. You know that even though we are your followers, that we still struggle to get along with other people around us too, God. But God, help us when we are disagreeing. Help us when we're not getting along with someone else to open our eyes, to remember that everyone that we disagree with is still a person. They are still one of your children created in your image with infinite value and worth. They are someone that you love. And God, if we can remember that, makes it a little bit easier to see past our disagreements, to find some area of common ground, to find a place where we can disagree without seeing each other as enemies, to find a place where we can disagree and even call one another friends. So God, help us to open our eyes and see people instead of seeing labels. Help us to be more empathetic, sharing your love with everyone that we meet. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this episode has challenged you to let Jesus' light shine when you see people that aren't getting along with each other. 
And the best way for you to do that is to be more empathetic, to do a better job of treating people like they're people and not just labels. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode, but I want to encourage you to come back and join us next time when our next episode drops. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. Or you can come and worship with us live on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time on our church website at mhbclouisville.com slash live. We'd love to have you come and join us. Well, until next time, I hope that you have a great week. I will be praying for you, and we'll see you back here soon for another Sermon Podcast.